Hey there, everybody. Uh, welcome back. Another podcast. My name's Scott Durfee, joined by my good friend, Uncle Dave. Good to What's be up? with you, Scott. Dave, it's good to have you here, too. I well, look forward to being with you and talking about the gospel and the plan of redemption. It's going to be great. Uh, we uh, are here along the Wasatch Front in Utah, are finally getting a chance to experience some warm weather. Yeah, weather. I've been golfing the last two days, Scott. Grateful for that. I was just going to ask you. Tuesday. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Well, good. That's good. Uh, that That's a sign of spring. Probably should be out there right now. But no, you should be is, right here right now. This is more fun and you, more important. You are in the uh, right place right now, and we'll get okay. you turned loose here in about an hour, and All you right. can go back Perfect. and golf then. So, gang, uh, we'll get started here just a, in just a brief second. Before we do, though, just to, first of all, I want to tell you thank you for those who have been uh, responding to our request for emails and uh, maybe even uh, plead one more time for another um, response. Uh, gang, if, if you are um, having experiences that are helping you in your life through uh, the atonement of Jesus Christ, through the things that we're talking about, whether they were uh, propagated here or on your own or what have you, if you wouldn't mind just uh, dropping us a line and an email, uh, we'd appreciate it. You can uh, send those to us at gmail.com. Also, while you're doing that, uh, you know, we've been at this now for just a little over a year, and uh, we, uh, we, we hope that we're providing everything that it is that you would like us to, but we'd also invite, uh, provide an invitation here for you to provide any feedback. Uh, you can do that also through that email, and so please take advantage of that. Let us know how we're doing, what we're doing. Dave, you know, one of the things as a professional public speaker, every night when I speak, I get a survey the next day. Oh, cool. <laughs> you know, and the survey uh, the next day from from the hundreds. Of, well, you know, that's what you would think, but th- you really want that because, you know, like here, we can't see our audience. Yeah. We don't get to see, look in the eyes of those that we're talking to. We don't get to see body languages, you know, and those types sure. of things. And so the connection is a little challenging. And, uh, and, and that's what I love so much about those surveys is they can write in comments and, you know, and, and oftentimes, even though I've been doing this for 20 years as a professional public speaker, I, there's still times when I need some redirection and oftentimes I get that from my students and so forth, you know, as I'm doing yeah. that, they'll put, and I'd be, and I'm so grateful for that. And we're just kind of asking for the same thing here, gang, if you wouldn't mind uh, just letting us know how we're doing, what we could do to make this experience better for you, uh, what it would be, how, how it would, could be better uh, enough for you to invite your friends and family to listen, etc. So that's there. One other thing, uh, and then we'll get right into it, Dave, but one other thing I do want to announce, I've meant to make this uh, announcement the last couple of times, but we just get rocking and rolling and I forget. All of our um, current and most of our past podcasts now have transcription services. Uh, you'd be able to, if you go to the uh, um, website for the podcast, in other words, the hosting website for the podcast, you'll find that in the notes and you can also find that uh, at any of the uh, uh, outlets that you're listening to, whether that be Apple or Audible or whatever, there should be a link to go to the host site, it's rss.com forward slash he uh, redeemed through his blood. Uh, and and uh, there you can find and print, if you like, um, transcripts. That was uh, a request that was sent out to us quite a while ago by uh, actually an audiologist in Cheyenne, Wyoming, Dave. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so I think that's kind of cool that mm-hmm. uh, we got that request and we've finally been able to pull it off. So just want to let you know that that's there, too. And uh, we're excited now to get talking. Well, about let's, let's thank you, Scott. Let's jump in. Let's do it. I know we've been t- talking a lot about the effects of the atonement of Jesus Christ in our life. And we have tried hard to talk about the 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 truth that we are redeemed jesus has redeemed us he has saved us from death and hell that's the way jacob in second nephi 9 puts it scott that he redeemed us from death and hell and then he describes that death is the grave and uh, then later in a few more verses he describes that Hell is spiritual death, right? The separation from God or the separation from righteousness. And, and spiritual death comes upon us because of, of sin. So 
it's really clear if you carefully read Second Nephi chapter nine, we are redeemed, we are saved. I I I just wish more Latter Day Saints could really could really feel that. Now, I didn't say that we're exalted. I didn't say that we're all going to return back to the presence of God and become like Him. That's 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 different. That's exaltation. But Jesus has redeemed all of Father's children because all will be resurrected and all will go back into the presence of God. We left the presence of God and all will return to the presence of God to be judged. You can, you can read that in the Bible dictionary under the... the uh, title death if you look up the little caption death it describes that as well in the bible dictionary and speaking of the bible dictionary the author of the bible dictionary at least he wrote almost all of it robert j matthews i have a quote here to read he said salvation comes by redemption not by assimilation jesus did more than set an example He did more than teach ethics or a standard and system of living. With his suffering and his blood, with his suffering and his blood, he paid a debt to fulfill the demands of a broken law. He redeemed all living things, period. Not just us, plants, animals, every living thing has been redeemed. Death has been overcome. Sin and spiritual death has been overcome through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Redeemer. The gospel is a law of redemption from sin and death. It is not just the assimilation of good habits. I just think so many times we focus uh, too often as members of the church, and I think I think most of us are guilty of it, that we focus too much upon the, the fact that we have to earn heaven. We have to earn instead of tapping into, utilizing the power of the atonement of Jesus Christ. And instead of relying upon our merits, we should be relying upon, upon his merits. So let, let me just say again, the gospel is a system of redemption, not a system of assimilation. It is not just about assimilating good habits. It's not just about keeping the commandments. And I didn't say that wasn't important. I just said there's so much more to it than that. The gospel is redemption of the soul made possible by Jesus Christ and his atoning sacrifice. So do you think, have we said that clear enough, Scott? I, I you know, I don't know. I, I hope we have. But, you know, <laughs> but, but, because, and, I, and I say that almost tongue in cheek because, you know, we can say it and keep saying it and keep saying it, but we'll still have this problem. <laughs> and this problem is, is that, you know, we, and, and it's not in, in our church and, and it's not in other churches. It's within us. It's, it's we just have this thought that I have to do, I have to do, I have to do. And, yeah. you know, and again, you said it, that the doings, we're not disqualifying the importance of keeping the commandments. We're not disqualifying or, or discounting the importance not of, at all. Uh, of the things that we are motivated to do when we realize the redemption is for us and has been completed for us already. But, yeah, I, I, I hope we've said it enough. But uh, Well, here's one more quote. Okay. This is uh, Elder Christofferson. In the general conference years ago, without his redemption from death and from sin, we have only a gospel of social justice. Let that soak in for a minute. Yeah. Why don't you read it again, actually? Without his redemption from death and from sin, Scott, that's unconditional. Yeah. We're, we're all going to die and be resurrected, and we're all going to be sin, and yet we're still going to return back to the presence of God. Whether you repent or not, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is the Christ. 
Now, whether you stay there, whether you dwell there, whether you're with your family forever there, that's a different deal. That that requires so much faith, repentance, and and good works. Right. Yeah. That well, Elder Christopherson, sorry, Elder Christopherson goes on. That may provide some help and reconciliation in the present, but it has no power. This gospel of social justice has no power to draw down from heaven perfect justice and infinite mercy. Ultimate redemption is in Jesus Christ and in him alone. Yeah. There was a sentence there you just read that ended in mercy. Read that one again. Uh, the gospel of social justice yeah. may provide some help and reconciliation in the present, but it has no power to draw down from heaven perfect justice and infinite mercy. That's right. Infinite mercy. Infinite. We were just talking about a scripture before we started that Brother Matthews used to love to quote, which is Alma thirty three sixteen, Scott. And I, I I didn't even know this scripture was there the first time I I heard Brother Matthews quote it. And it really has affected me for many, many years now. Will you will you read that to us, Scott? This is <laughs> yeah. This is really uh Amulek and Alma teaching the Zoramites on the hill Oneida. And they're talking about Alma's given the great discourse on faith. Then Amulek follows up and bears witness of of uh, what the seed is and uh, answers their question, is, which really is, is the word in Christ. And then uh, they quote, uh, is it Zenos? Well, they're quoting two prophets here. They're, they're, they quote, Zenus first of all, Z- yeah, they first of all quote Zenos. Uh, you know, and, and that talks about these things. And then they quote Zenic here, who also spake okay. of these things, and said, For behold, he said, Thou art angry, O, o Lord. Okay, now I want us to hear this. I don't want us to just kind of breeze through this scripture. Okay, that was a great scripture, because these words have weight to and, them. And we don't want anybody feel terrible and those who are no, already those no. who are already self-deprecating beat yeah. themselves up and and feel shame we don't want you to feel worse about this no but it's just it is it's a strong it's strong language and it should be for behold he said thou art angry o lord with this people because they will not understand thy mercies which thou hast bestowed upon them because of thy son they don't understand how infinite his mercies really are. They don't understand that they're redeemed in Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ. I, I believe, Scott, again, going back to it seems like the central theme of all of our podcasts, yeah. is if people could understand that they are redeemed because of Jesus Christ and his atoning, suffering, sacrifice, we would be filled with more gratitude, and that gratitude would help us to keep the commandments, to be true and faithful to our covenants, to do the things, to want to do the things. Gratitude is the beginning of desires. And and he uses the word understand in that verse, right? Yeah. He, he, the Lord is angry because they will not understand the mercies of the Lord. Which he has bestowed upon them because of his son. Ah. Love that verse. Yeah. That was Brother Matthew, one of Brother Matthew's favorites. And if understand, understanding fills us, understanding of the atonement of Jesus Christ and his infinite mercies should fill all of us with, with greater gratitude and desire to keep the commandments. Uh, you know, I've said this before too, Scott, that so many people, well, I'll just, I'll just tell you how I used to tell my students. In institute, I used to tell my students, hey, when I was young, your age, institute age, <clears throat> I worked really hard to keep the commandments so that I wouldn't need the atonement or so I wouldn't need Jesus. But now that I'm old, and they would kind of shake their head like, yeah, 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 yeah we get that. Yeah, how'd that work out for yeah, you? Yeah, I, 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 I went on a mission. Half of them are returned missionaries, right. or more than half. Right, yeah. And they're going, yeah, yeah, yeah. we worked our guts yeah. out on our mission yeah. so we wouldn't need the atonement. Yeah, thrust in our and sickle with say, all our might. <laughs> I say, oh, I was so foolish. <laughs> I was so foolish. Now that I'm old, it's a t- different perspective. Now that I'm old, 
I keep the commandments to put on the atonement. And to qualify for the blessings that we've talked about, those blessings of, of joint heir, those blessings of being with him, being like him. Uh, you know, those come as a motivating, I don't, uh, you know, kind of as a motivation. Because here's the thing, Dave, and it's just, I think this is, I don't know if it's universally true, I bet it is, though, that, you know, as we come to know him, as we come to love him, as we see his hand at work and hands at work, pierced right at work in our lives as we see those pierced hands at work in our lives in so many ways then we have a desire it just i've noticed and i've seen it in others i mean i've seen it in some people right now uh, who in recovery i'm working with um and you know around various things Uh, but i just see desires increase to start living more aligned with our Heavenly Father's will. And that alignment includes the commandments. That alignment includes love our neighbor as ourselves and everything like unto it. Ministering, serving, all of that. Yeah. So, you know, it's just, right? I I just think that there's so many in the church who are just uh, gritting their teeth and, (laughs) and working so hard so they don't need Jesus. Yeah. Or... In other words, yeah. so they don't need to repent. Right. So uh, we we are talking uh, today about uh, continuing to talk about the unconditional Scott aspects of the atonement of Jesus Christ in our lives, and that means all of God's children. But there are also a special some special groups of people where the atonement of Jesus Christ has even further unconditional aspects or effects in their lives. And we mentioned little children last time, right? I think I told a story yeah. about that. And, yep. and today I wanted to talk about the, the group of people who, because of certain, uh, uh, certain fallen natures that they were born into conditions or, various or, conditions well, not in conditions circumstances but also natures okay uh, the way they're wired uh, the the way certain deficiencies maybe mental emotional deficiencies that they may have how the, how the atonement of Jesus Christ uh, unconditionally covers all of that as well and I, I had an experience on an Indian reservation in uh, Hardin, Montana, the Crow Indian Reservation, many years ago. Uh, Elder Hugh Pinnock, uh, who was of the presidency of the 70, and the area president of the North America Central Area, which took in all the Midwest up through Canada, uh, had called this special meeting, and I was the area director of seminaries and institutes, and so I received this invitation to attend. And there were about 40 stake presidents there, the upper Midwest, and all the stake presidents from the upper Midwest. And uh, he wanted them to come to an Indian reservation. We met in a little chapel. It was a little branch uh, in Hardin, Montana. And there were some uh, Indian chiefs who were invited there as well. And Hugh Pinnock had kind of been adopted, as I remember him explaining, by the Native Americans. And he had his own feathers and all of that. And, you know, he he had a really special love, much like Spencer W. Kimball, for the Native American people. And he was expressing all of that to us. And then uh, early on in this uh, two-day meeting, training, he kind of let, let all of us have it. And uh, I remember him saying, Scott, this was right before lunch on the first day, he said, uh, talked about the inactivity of the Native Americans in the church, the low, very low activity rate among so many of the Indian nations and reservations throughout, really, America. But here we are here in Hardin, Montana, on an Indian reservation. I, I had come from Minnesota. I'd come from the Twin Cities, and, and I, I knew we'd been working hard to try to get uh, couples, older couples, to serve on 
Indian reservations to try to help our Native American brothers and sisters to come back into activity, and it was a real challenge. So Elder Pinnock was responding to a real need, and he said to us, I know what the worst sin is, and I know what the second worst sin is. I know the worst sin is to deny the Holy Ghost. It's all according to Alma 39. And I know the second worst sin is to commit murder. And I know Alma says that the third worst sin is to commit adultery. But I think there's a sin that's even worse than that. And that's when you write off somebody. Whenever you write off somebody, you give up on them, you stop trying to minister to them, you are committing a sin worse than adultery. <laughs> wow, he, he had all of the stake presidents and mine attention. And, and then he said, Brethren, if you would have been born in these people's moccasins, if you had to walk in their moccasins, been born in their conditions, and he's pointing his finger at us, some of you would not have done as well as they are doing. And if you misjudge them and you write them off, you are committing a sin worse than adultery. He read some other scriptures about that. I remember 3rd Nephi, about you never know when someone's going to come back, 3rd Nephi 18. And there were other scriptures, but this one scripture, Scott, was life-changing to me. He read a verse that has changed my life. When he read it, it was like a thousand lights went on for me. You know, we had an adopted child. We were struggling with our son Isaac. And this scripture just opened up my mind. And uh, I just had all kinds of thoughts and feelings I had not had or understood before of the possibilities and the power of the atonement of Jesus Christ. So he read from Doctrine and Covenants, section 46, which is the revelation on the gifts of the Spirit. And he was describing some of the gifts of the Spirit as he spoke to us. And he said, the, the, the real gift of the Spirit that priesthood leaders need, that parents need, that anyone in leadership needs, the real scripture or gift that you need is uh, Doctrine and Covenants 46, verse 15. Will you, will you read it, Scott, and yeah. then we can discuss it? Yeah, I love this scripture. And again, to some, it is given by the Holy Ghost to know the differences of administration. As now, a, now, just don't get hung up on administration. Let's, let's just kind of tweak that a little bit. Uh, let's talk about ministration, okay. ministering. So will you just read that again? Yeah, I'll change that to ministering. And, and again, to some, it is given by the Holy Ghost to know the differences of ministration or ministering as it will be pleasing unto the same Lord, according as the Lord will, suiting his mercies according to the conditions of the children of men. So, as, as Elder Hugh Pinnock explained it to all of these priesthood leaders and myself, 40 of us, in this little chapel, he said, the gift of the Spirit you need more than any other is the gift to know how to minister the atonement of Jesus Christ into the lives of others based on their conditions. You can't minister to all of them the same. You need to know how to minister to your children differently. You can't treat your children just the same. They don't have the same gifts. They don't have the same talents. They don't have the same challenges. Some have been bullied. Some have not. Some, some are uh, higher in intelligence than others, which can be a handicap or a blessing. Some, you, everybody's different, Scott. And the gift of the Spirit, which we all need as parents, priesthood leaders, as neighbors, is to know how to minister mercy 
of the Lord according to individuals' conditions. Now, so I'm just I'm just filled with the Spirit and the light of the Lord when when He reads that Scripture and as He describes it and how that applies to ministering and a and a, and a, having mercy and administering mercy to others. But I was a little bit troubled as I sat there because the uh, the uh, what the churchy me the uh, how do I say this the institutional David Durfee sitting there thinking well how does that uh, how does that apply to the scripture in First Corinthians ten thirteen because First First Corinthians ten thirteen says that n- nobody is tempted above what they're able. And that no temptation, you know, all temptations are common to men. Uh, let's read that scripture, Scott. First Corinthians ten thirteen. Yeah, you bet. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that which ye are able. So, you know, that's what that's what I'm wrestling with. I'm wrestling with the the scripture that that. Uh, you know, God suits his mercies according to conditions. And then I'm, I'm struggling with this. It says that God, God who's faithful won't you allow to be tempted above what you're able. I hope our listeners are kind of yeah. understanding yeah. The, the, uh, the struggle or the conflict yeah. I was Bit having. Bit of a wrestle, yeah. So I, I tried to sit across the table from Elder Pinnock at lunch and expressed to him my gratitude for what he had taught us that morning, especially about ministering mercy. And uh, I, I'm trying to express my gratitude to him as we're eating, and I said, um, but uh, Elder Pinnock, how do I, recon- how do I reconciliate uh, Doctrine and Covenants 46.15 with 1 Corinthians 10.13, which states that none of us will be tempted above what uh, we are allowed to bear, and that all temptations are common to man. And he looks at me, kind of winces a little bit, and he he says, "This is all," and this is all he had to say. And he, he looked at me and he said, "Well, Brother Durfee, there's a difference between temptations." And conditions. Wow. I got it. Yeah. And not just not just based on what he said, Scott. I was I was filled with the spirit and I I totally got it. Absolutely there is a difference between temptations which are common to man and conditions which are not all common to man. Yeah. There are things that I know individuals suffer with that I will never understand in this life. There are things that people go through that I, that I can never quite understand or get. But I can minister mercy to those individuals. I can forgive them based upon the mercies of Jesus Christ through and because of his atoning sacrifice. And Scott, that is the gift that we all need as parents, as, as leaders in the church, as human beings for other human beings. How can I minister mercy? How can I suit mercy? Suit, suit. How can I suit, suit them up? How can I, how can I bestow mercy upon individuals based upon their conditions? Will you... That that's a gift of the spirit. You have to know by the spirit how to do that, and it's different for each individual. So that, honestly, that scripture has taken. I think it has it has just opened my mind and heart to mercy and grace, and it's helped me to forgive others, Scott. It's helped me not to be the judge and jury and critic of other individuals. Or even yourself sometimes. Or myself. Right? Really. Yeah. So I I just hope our listeners can grasp this uh, unconditional part 
this unconditional effect of the atonement of Jesus Christ on others is that Jesus, even if we don't, even if we don't, Jesus will suit his mercies according to the conditions of men, Scott, and that's unconditional. Yeah. I, I even think, I, I've taken that so far, and may, I hope I haven't taken it too far, but I've even stated uh, many times, it was in my PowerPoint that I sent to Elder Anderson, I know that, every negative of the fall, which we did not choose, is unconditionally covered by the atonement of Jesus Christ. And I would even say now, not only every negative of the fall, but every consequence of the negatives that we didn't choose. In other words, someone who is sexually abused, all the negatives that come out of that, you know, I know, I know, I don't want to get get too personal, but I know somebody who is a sexual deviant but you cannot judge that individual based on the, the, the level of behavior or ability to keep the commandments as someone who has never been sexually abused. The sexual deviant had been so sexually abused over her lifetime that the consequences that came out of that, Scott, she is not totally accountable for yeah there's every individual's like that there's things i'm not totally accountable for even though i've been really really blessed and i know where much is given much is required i know that but i can't judge others i don't know what they've been through i don't know how capable they are i don't know how they're wired i don't know what depressions they may have or deficiencies in chemicals in their in their mind or tendencies that they were born with scott i mean i mean this includes this includes the gay community and others right i can't judge well i can't judge their tendencies now i'm not saying that justifies them i'm not saying that they're not going to have to you know, repent or do keep the commandment. I'm not saying any of that. I'm not giving anybody a ticket yeah. here to sin, right? a license to sin. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that I need the gift of the Spirit to know how to suit the Lord's mercies according to their conditions because I know that he will. There can be a problem with this. Uh, it's easy, I think, it's easier for some of us, and, and I can probably be safe in saying it that way, it's probably easier for some of us to see how this works outside of the picket fence of our own houses. You know, how this would work um, for so-and-so down the, the street in my mm-hmm. ward that's struggling with this or struggling mm-hmm. with that. Yeah. Somebody sometimes in my, we're too close to it, aren't we? Yeah, sometimes we're too close to it, and, and we think we know mm-hmm. how to, that we think we have the gift of administration within our own families when it comes to uh, the uh, suiting of the Lord's mercies towards uh, our children or our brothers and sisters literal brothers, blood brothers and sisters, mm-hmm. our parents, uh, you know, and things of that nature. But I don't think we have as clear a, a view even on that as sometimes we think we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so, you know, for example, in my own family, you know, I've got, Deb and I have seven children, and we know our kids, and we know them better than right. anybody else on this you planet think you do. knows our kids, right? <laughs> yeah, we, we think we do. But what we don't know as well as sometimes we think we do, is what are their real conditions? Because we're not with them 100% of the time. We don't know what's going on inside their hearts and their minds. We don't know what, because of the fall, the second effect of the fall, what kind of death experiences are happening to them in terms of organic depression, you know, and and many, 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 many You don't see what goes on at school? No, we do not. You don't see the social pressures? You don't see the social media they see. Yeah. You don't see the, really, you think you know them. But we don't. Yeah. 
And that's the thing, you know, and, and that's, I think that's my point here is that I hope we as parents, I hope we as brothers and sisters, um, I hope that we as, uh, you know, even spouses, husbands and wives uh, can be, you know, a little more tender, maybe a little more merciful in extending that mercy and let Jesus, let Jesus help us understand what mercy should be suited for them and leave it to him. Uh, you know, we can be advocates in, you know, for him, like he's an advocate for us. We can sometimes advocate for him to others in our lives to help them see the mercies, to help them embrace the mercies. But it should never be our job to throw a hurdle or a roadblock in front of those mm-hmm. based on our expectations that we may have about one of our children, about one of our friends, about our spouse, about one of our siblings, etc. Well, we just read from Alma thirty three sixteen. The Lord is angry because we do not understand his mercies. Right. And this is one of the greatest effects, Scott, that comes out of the atonement of Jesus Christ is his infinite mercy, which he suits to individuals one by one according to their conditions. And if there's any gift of the Spirit which we should pray for, even covet and seek, it should be this gift of administration right. to know how to minister mercy to others. Well, let's take it one step further, too. Let's learn to do that in our own lives to ourselves yeah. as well. Boy, that's... You know, I, I think, and, and we've said it before, you know, comparison is the thief of joy. But we compare ourselves and, you know, and, and think of our family situations. You know, there are times when, as a parent... You know, I may compare one of my kids to another inadvertently, you know, to have I would not want to have any damage or effect. But sometimes when we feel compared or when our kids have felt compared one to another, they start seeing each other as different and and, and these types of things, too. And, you know, I I think that if we can start seeing the the proper administration of mercy in our own lives, first of all, then it helps us to extend that to others as well. Absolutely. And, you know, there's a fine line perhaps here, too. If you don't have the really true gift of the spirit of administration, it's really easy, I think, to make excuses for yourself and other people. And I don't think the Lord's pleased about that either. We We shouldn't excuse our behaviors. We shouldn't think that we're entitled to... Or have this sense of entitlement, or, yeah. or 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 be looking for ways to excuse our behaviors. Uh, I, I'm just saying it, it, we have to have the Holy Ghost, the gift of the Spirit of administration. Well, and when we have the Holy Ghost, we're looking for ways not to excuse our behaviors, exactly. but we're looking for ways to uh, uh, change or to modify our behaviors through the atonement of Jesus Christ. Which includes uh, offering mercy to ourselves and others. Correct. And also receiving grace. And grace is the enabling power, the receiving of strength in our life to overcome our weaknesses, deficiencies, tendencies, etc., etc., which great to which takes great faith in Jesus Christ to be saved by grace or the enabling powers of the atonement in our life. So, continuing to talk about all of the unconditional aspects of the atonement of Jesus Christ, which covers all of us unconditionally, we often hear the term, which I think they're using more and more, and I really started picking up on this uh, back in the 1990s, Scott. I think it's about the first time I saw this phrase. It was uh, actually a, uh, well, I'm going to, let me just find it here. I, I think I can find it. It was a phrase that was used by the First Presidency as they were talking about AIDS. So this is back, you know, Magic Johnson and uh, AIDS was rampant back in the 1980s. And uh, just the first time I heard this phrase was 1988. And then it started to pop up more and more in the 1990s. And, and now we continue to, the brethren, prophets, continue to use this phrase to describe what I think is, is in a, besides the redemptive powers of the atonement and the enabling powers of the atonement, there are these compen- compensatory 
blessings and powers of the atonement of Jesus Christ in her life, which I believe these compensatory powers and blessings are for the most part largely unconditional. So there was a lot of, uh, when when AIDS was first diagnosed in this, this uh, pandemic of AIDS, I don't know if that's the right way to use that word, uh, was going across the world, and a lot of uh, a lot of religious uh, people were were talking about this is God's way of punishing the gay community, and ugh, I hated that, and and the brethren hated that, yeah. and they they finally th- issued a a letter, a statement from the first presidency in 1988 about. Uh, their position on on the disease of AIDS. And I'm just going to read a paragraph from that. Members of the church should extend great compassion to all those who are ill with AIDS. We express great love and sympathy for all victims, but particularly those who have received the virus through blood transfusions babies afflicted from infected mothers, and innocent marriage partners who have been infected by a spouse. In the Lord's eternal plan, this is the great statement of doctrine on this, in the Lord's eternal plan, those who endure such suffering, pain, and injustice, not of their own doing, will receive compensatory blessings through the Lord's infinite mercy. There it is again. Through his infinite mercy, individuals who are innocent will receive compensatory blessings. Think how many millions and millions and millions, billions of people are affected by that power of the atonement of Jesus Christ and his infinite mercy. Well, we can all think of, of individuals like that. I want to read just a few more quotes on this, this uh, what I think is the third power of the atonement of Jesus. First, redemptive. Second, enabling. And third, compensatory. Uh, listen to this uh, greatest quote in the Preach My Gospel manual. This is on page 52. All that is unfair about life can be made right through the atonement of Jesus Christ. All that is unfair about life can be made right through the atonement of Jesus Christ. I know that's true. I have spirit is born witness to me that that's true. Uh, we have several quotes from the brethren on that, Scott, and I'm really, I'm really thankful for the all of those who are using it. Here's just one line from Elder Todd Christofferson. 2013. The atonement satisfies the debt justice owes to us by healing and compensating us for any suffering we innocently endure. Uh, Elder Worthland, I hope you all remember Elder Worthland. I miss him. I loved him. Um, the uh, The Lord compensates the faithful for every loss. This is a, this, that reminds me of a statement made by the prophet Joseph Smith that everything that we lose, which wasn't our fault, will be restored to us in the resurrection. But going on with Elder Worthland's quote, that which is taken away from those who love the Lord will be added unto them in his own way. While it may not come at the time we desire, the faithful will know that every tear today will eventually be returned a hundredfold with tears of rejoicing and gratitude. Scott, that's all according to the compensatory powers of the atonement of Jesus Christ. And the one that is uh, in Elder Anderson's book, which he actually uh, stated originally in a BYU devotional, and when we were, when we were working on the book, I had to kind of uh, help him to remember this quote. I said, hey, Elder <laughs> Anderson, let's use, let's use the quote. Uh, you know, let's use that quote that you gave. And and uh, anyway, this one of my favorites, and it's been quoted a few times in General Conference since. Uh, Elder Anderson said, wrote, As evil increases in the world, 
there is a compensatory spiritual power for the righteous. Think about that. I mean, that's because of the atonement of Jesus Christ. And that's unconditional. You know, the the Lord is not going to let Satan increase wickedness without the Lord helping us to increase and balance out the wickedness with some righteousness. As the world slides from its spiritual moorings, the Lord prepares the way for those who seek him, offering them greater assurance, greater confirmation. Think of these. This is all part of the compensatory powers. Greater assurance, greater confirmation, and greater confidence in the spiritual direction they are traveling. The gift of the Holy Ghost becomes a brighter light in the emerging twilight. Hmm. That's compensatory power. President Faust used the term when he said, through faith and righteousness, all of the inequities, injuries, and pains of this life can be fully compensated for and made right. Blessings denied in this life will be fully recompensed in the eternities. Wow. Elder Holland has taught it. Uh, Elder Bednar has taught it. And uh, I think one of my favorite scriptures on it, Scott, is King Benjamin. So let's turn to Mosiah chapter 3. In Mosiah chapter 3, King Benjamin, as you all know, is giving this amazing discourse on the atonement of Jesus Christ. And he talks in verse 7 about Jesus bleeding from every pore. So great was the anguish for his people, for the sins of his people. And right after that, Scott, verse eight. Let's read verses uh, eight through. Let's read verses eight through eleven. And he shall be called Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Father of heaven and earth, the Creator of all things from the beginning. And his mother shall be called Mary. And lo, he cometh unto his own, that salvation might come unto the children of men, even through faith on his name. And even after all this, they shall consider him a man, and say that he hath a devil, and shall scourge him, and shall crucify him. And he shall rise the third day from the dead, and behold, he standeth to judge the world. And behold, all these things are done. Get this. Get this. All these things are done. That are right. That that a righteous judgment might come upon the children of men. That a righteous judgment. What's a righteous judgment? I used to ask my students when we would read the scripture together, I would say, what's a righteous judgment? Give me another word for righteous judgment. And they would say, fair. Yeah. Merciful. Yeah. Kind. Loving. You fill in the blank. I would rather it be... I'd rather be kind, merciful, and loving than fair for me. <laughs> well, it, all of that. It's all that. I know. A right. What's a righteous judgment? Yeah. What is a right? I, Jesus did all these things. The atonement of Jesus Christ. Bled from every poor. Did all these things. Yeah. Suffered every temptation. Yeah. And never gave heed. All these things. Why? One reason. So he could have a righteous judgment might come upon the children of men. And then 11, for behold, and also his blood atoneth for the sins of those who have fallen by the transgression of Adam, who have died not knowing the will of God concerning them, or who have ignorantly sinned. Now, how many people does that cover? I think that pretty much covers everybody. (laughs) I think it's all of us, (laughs) right? To some degree or another... (coughs) I mean, uh, the next story that will will relate to our listeners is is my sweet brother that I uh, brother in quotes that I adopted in prison many many years ago, and uh, who committed who's a double murderer. But uh, wow, I know the Lord. I know the Lord will take all of his conditions and suit mercies to yeah. him according to those conditions. And I'm not one who can judge or condemn him. Right. 
You know, in uh, in the rooms of recovery, you know, I'll go back to that again here for a second. This is one of the things that really is a blessing to those who uh, make a effort to develop a relationship, the second step, to develop a relationship with higher uh, their higher power. And, you know, we know that to be Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. But at, because, Dave, uh, as this happens, you know, as somebody comes into recovery, there's nobody that comes there, myself included, that comes to these rooms totally unscathed, right? I mean, there's a lot of wreckage. Absolutely. A ton of wreckage. No doubt. And, and that wreck, a lot of that wreckage is collateral. Yeah. Right? It, it goes out by, to the sides sure. of us, goes out in front, all around us. You know, we have collateral damage. Like a big rock thrown in a big lake or worse yeah it's just it can be terrible and sometimes sometimes the grief that comes to us and i'll say us because i have experienced this too the grief that comes to us because of what we see as a consequence to other people right there's just pain there, we create pain in other people, and and some of it can be physical, you know. Some of it certainly emotionally, uh, emotional pain. Those that love us the most feel it the deepest too, and, and those can be our parents, those can be our siblings, those can be spouses, those can be close friends. But you know, I think sometimes, uh, and this is my observation, and maybe even my experience. But even, but I think sometimes those that suffer the worst because of the decisions that alcoholics and drug addicts and anybody else affected to the fault by the fault to this point, I think that sometimes those that are affected worst can be our kids, can be our children. There can Absolutely. be a lot of confusion. There can even be sometimes abuse. There can be a lot of neglect. There can definitely come upon. Can you imagine growing up with a dad or a mom who was an alcoholic or a drug, drug addict and the things that that might do to your own self-esteem? You know, wondering, yeah. oh, how are whole, the other kids looking at me? Your whole psyche. Yeah. It, it's just, it's just permeates every single part of a person's life. And because of that, that guilt, that shame can be so big uh, coming in. And, and it, you know, we, we can sometimes feel bad for because of what's happened in our own lives. But when we start getting eyes to see and empathy to feel the pain that may have been caused in others around us, that sometimes can be so overwhelming uh, that it did it and I almost want to say more often than not, I'm not sure that that's accurate, but very frequently at least. Mm-hmm. When we get to that point, we see alcoholics, addicts, and others go back, we call it relapse, go back to those old vices to numb out the feelings again that we are not able to handle because we don't have a a clear understanding of this principle. Right. This principle of the compensatory blessings that come to us because of the atonement of Jesus Christ and his power covers all of it. Right. And because of what we read in D&C 4615, we know that they will be judged according to the conditions that they were in, even if some of those conditions we put them there. Right. We can't pay for it, but he already has. Exactly. They're already redeemed, exactly. and our job now is to help them to understand that redemption. That's the way that we, who have maybe perpetuated uh, or perpetrated some of those things in others in our lives, the best way we can help them to overcome that, which will help us too, is to help them see themselves for who they are, to help them understand that that they have been redeemed, purchased through his blood, and that these blessings are available to them if they will receive the gift going back to, you know, our scripture and doctrine and covenants that we love. But they must be the receivers of the gift. And that's, that's for all of us. You know, I, I, I might, my, I'm wondering right now, and maybe this can be our invitation, but it would be a good inventory experience for all of us to go through and just say, okay, where do I see the compensatory blessings taking place in my life? In my life. In my own life. Right. And Start where there. And where should I be able to expect them in the lives of those around me, which should be in everything. So, And how can I offer them? That's right. An, an opportunity. Mercy. Uh, and, and the way we do that is to provide the sp- uh, spiritual experiences, an opportunity for them to fill the spirit of the Holy Ghost in their life, however that may be. Right. You know, for right. Deb and I, we just try to keep our home 
a spiritual place. People say that when they walk into our home. It feels different in here. Mm-hmm. It feels different here. Well, we, we intend that, and mm-hmm. we, and we do that in, mostly for ourselves, but we do that also so that the administration of the Holy Ghost can be here for those that enter and remind them of who they are, specifically, number one, our children and our grandchildren. Yeah. So I think we're running out of time, Scott, and and uh, we'll continue this discussion next uh, next week about the uh, infinite mercies of Jesus Christ that flow into our lives, all of our lives, unconditionally, unconditionally, Scott. It's just so important, I think, that we realize that the atonement of Jesus Christ is not just that we we're all going to be resurrected and it's not just for our ability and the gift of repentance that that wonderful blessing that uh, that all of us conditionally can participate in as we choose to do so but the atonement of Jesus Christ has has brought so many unconditional blessings to us individually to each member of our family and to each member of the human family, people who don't even know anything about Jesus Christ have been blessed by the atonement of Jesus Christ. That's what the infinite atonement means. It's infinite. There's infinite mercy. Uh, and all of us are blessed by it in our lives. So I, I just uh, hope that that maybe our, our uh, listeners can can again uh, come to a greater understanding and with that greater understanding uh, an increased sense of gratitude for the atonement of Jesus Christ that not only the atonement of Jesus Christ not only did he suffer for all the iniquities of the world but he that he suffered for all of the inequalities of the world just to know that truth scott answers so many difficult questions issues and problems in our life when people really have an understanding and a testimony of that truth that the atonement covers all iniquities that are repented of and all inequalities whether repentant of or not. Right. Unconditionally. I, I, I know that's true. I know that's the, the love of God. That's all according to the love of God. I, I love the scripture. I'll just close with this scripture. It's one of my favorites, God, in, in John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. For God so loved the world... This is Heavenly Father. So loves his children. He so loved the world, all of the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. But verse 17. Yeah. That's so important. Get get verse 17. For God sent his Son into the world, not to condemn the world, but to save the world through his Son. Uh, God does not want to condemn any of his children and has saved probably so many more who have lived on this earth when the gospel of Jesus Christ wasn't even here, let alone in the fullness and uh, I know that Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ uh, have redeemed us, has saved us, and that they desire with all their heart to whatever degree they can offer it to us, the exaltation to return home, to live with them in their presence, and to have eternal families. And through the atonement of Jesus Christ, that is possible. It all comes down to that that we can be together forever as families through Jesus Christ in his atonement.
Last week, we spent a lot of time talking about gratitude and how that was the beginning of desire. And this, all this builds our gratitude. You just mentioned that. Another thing that this builds, and I hope that uh, we can see this, is that it builds our awareness of these principles in our own lives. It's easy for me, and maybe I'm speaking for many of us with this, but it's easy for me to see these blessings at work in other people's lives. But because of the accuser, and because sometimes I listen to the accuser, um, I can see sometimes in my own lives where maybe my, uh, my, my, my shortcomings, the things that I've done or the things that I haven't done uh, that I should have sometimes seem bigger than maybe they are. But I think that if we, if we can understand this principle and through gratitude, not just to increase our desire to follow him, but also increase our awareness of his, of his presence in our life, of his absolute infinite atonement in our lives and into the lives of those we love, even maybe some of those that we have affected, maybe not necessarily in the most positive ways. His atonement, his blessings, his merit compensates for all of that. And that, you know, and it's our invitation for us to feel that, to look for that and see it and see it with an eye of faith and with an eye of revelation and inspiration personally in our own lives that may only come through sometimes fasting and prayer. So if that's what it takes, I invite us to do that too. But let us have the awareness of the infinite nature of the atonement, especially these unconditional components of the atonement of Jesus Christ as we have spoken about them today and last week in our lives. And that's our prayer. Thanks for being with us today. Remember, you have been redeemed through his blood. May we look for the blessings that come to us through that in our lives. And that's our prayer for this week. And always thanks again for being with us.